0: God bless you.
1: Thank you, Chris. Give your pastor a hand, and Lyra, come on. He's a good guy. I like him. You must like him. (laughs) You keep showing up. Uh, Wow, I've gotten to know Chris and and Lyra, but uh, over the years, through my good friend Julian Richards, I've known Julian and Sarah for 35 years. We've worked together since very early days. We were teenagers, obviously. Um, but um, I've been coming to Wales since the late 80s, and uh, boy, I was just telling the leaders the other night what changes are taking place, what growth is happening. Um, you're just a picture of what God is doing. And get ready, buckle up. Uh, we had, so how many leaders were there Friday night? And he, Yeah, yeah they're, and they're still here. They came back. Well, that's good. Um, we charged the leaders. Uh, I was such a powerful night Friday night. I just can't get over. There's a very uh, dense shepherding mantle upon this church. You know what that means? More sheep are coming. You know what that means? I know you say make room for the Holy Spirit. Make room for more sheep. You need to change that slogan. We, are, we got the Holy Spirit. Make room for more sheep. Can I just tell you something in love this morning? He said I'm part of the family, so I'm going to talk family. This room right now, it's too full. I say that in love. It's too full. You're comfortable, you're happy. Like, look at the room, it's full. And pastors are freaking out, it's too full. You know what that means? Where are all the new sheep gonna go? Say, I I like this guy. Just say, I like this guy, he's speaking. Where are the new people that God wants to send? There is a movement in the earth. There's harvest in the earth. I was sharing with the leaders the other night, you know, COVID shut us down, but I said it felt like God put us all in a cocoon and took us through a metamorphosis. And we've come out now, and we're trying to spread our wings, like what's happening here? We're gaining momentum, and we're learning how to fly again, but it's all for harvest. So you need to get ready, Gateway. You are going to grow, but you can't grow. Look at I mean, I just love you, but look around. There's not enough seats. If five new families join the church next month, where are you going to put them? I'm just shaking you up. I'm, I'm allowed to do that. Then I'm leaving, I promise. I won't be back for a few more years. But. Uh, we're here to help you, and I've already talked with Pastor Chris about some strategies on how we can uh, develop some things, and um, I'm excited. I wrote, I wrote a list during worship. Sorry, you thought, what's he writing? Is he writing a sermon right now? That's a little late, isn't it? I got notes, so anyway. I'm glad to be here. These are great days. Good days for Wales, good w- days for the, for the world. So you ready to get in the Word a little bit? During COVID, and I travel full-time, I've been doing this for 20, almost 25 years, traveling, um... Got shut down, so during that time, uh, God put it on my heart to write a book. So I wrote a book called Stewarding Prophecy. I actually gave a free copy to your pastor because I love him. <laughs> so <laughs> you can get it on Amazon, but that's not the point. The point is, this morning I want to share a couple principles because working with new wine as I have since its inception and understanding a uh, part of the DNA of new wine is hearing God's voice, the prophetic voice of Jesus Christ, and of course, that. Spreading that out into the, the, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit wherever you go, whether it be healing or a word of knowledge or just a I love you or compassion, reaching people where they're hurting. We have to then say, I want to hear God's voice. I want to hear a word from God. But then the question is, what do I do after I've heard his voice? You can have great meetings and the prophecy can flow and it's great and you say, Wow, what a great meeting. That's not the question. How was the meeting? The question is, what are you going to do when the meeting's over? Now what do we do? Well, we just wait for the next good meeting, don't we? <laughs> we're meeting experts. We just, we're just we professional meeters. <laughs> it's like, well, we want to meet people. So this morning, I want to take us into some principles on how to steward a word from God. What happens when God speaks to us? So We're going to start in the book of Revelation. That always gets everybody excited. <laughs> Turn to the book of Revelation this morning. Guys and times, here we go. Yeah, no, just, I'm gonna pull a principle out of the very beginning and the very end. Out of the prologue and the epilogue. So, we start in Revelation chapter one, verse three, where John the Revelator is about to get a major prophetic download of Revelation of Jesus Christ. And he says this, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy in verse three. And blessed are those who hear, yes, we wanna hear a word from God, watch, and who keep, do you allow them, are they allowed to talk in church? Some churches, I not no, I grew up in the Episcopal Church in America, the Anglican, so I'm a good, I'm an early, we weren't allowed to talk. Unless we did it all together and it was in the book and we all read it at the same time and then it's like, shh, that's it, no more talking. So if they're allowed to talk, say the word keep. keep. Blessed are those who keep what is written in it for the time is at hand. That was so important. Now, this download comes, 22 chapters of revelation of Jesus Christ, and it now turns into red letters at the end, chapter 22, verse 7, at the very end of the whole Bible. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book, but the principle is blessed is the one who keeps words of prophecy. Why do we have to? Why is there a blessing with those who learn how to keep a word? Those are two vital responsibilities. We want to hear a word all throughout those seven churches. He that has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. Yes, we want to hear. Blessed are those then who keep a word from prophecy. That's a requirement. That's the requirement to see the gap close up from the time that the speaking of God happens in our life. And then what we say, the fulfillment. There's a lot of frustrated. Christians who have gotten a word from God and have not yet seen its fulfillment. Anybody like that in this room? How many never raise your hand in church? I just want to make sure we got the right people. Okay, we got the right people. You're not a hand-raising church. You, we'll get them there. So what does it mean to keep a word from God? Let's just take that word for keep for just a minute, and let's just explore it from the Greek for just a minute to get some understanding. This word keep is to rattle in the Greek, and it's throughout the New Testament and very various forms, and it has different layers of meanings, but I think the first way we have to look at it means it's actually a visual action. It means to watch over something so that it's not lost or stolen. So if I was going up and said, Chris, i got to go up and preach. Here, will you keep my, keep my phone for me? Do you ever think that day would come in church where you'd say, would you just keep my phone? <laughs> Isn't it attached to the wall in your house? No, some of you are old enough to remember that, but anyway. I said, keep, keep my phone or keep my keys while I go up and preach. The idea is like, watch over it so it doesn't get lost or stolen. I don't want to lose it. So, you know, when it comes to a word from God, it's possible it could be stolen. I'll prove that in a minute. It's it's possible you could lose it. Keep the word. Watch over something so it won't be lost or stolen. Secondly, it means also to ward off an enemy, which makes sense. If it can be lost, if it can be stolen, there must be an enemy to the prophetic word. How many would agree to that? How many? Come on. We're getting there. We're up to 44%. Just 44% hand raisers. We're getting there. We have an enemy. The devil hates the word of the Lord. He hates the Bible. He hates anything about God. But he hates it. He would love us to say prophecy doesn't exist. How many of you know that? That devil's been around a long time. There is no more prophecy. We don't need apostles. We We don't need anything. So he hates a prophetic word because it ignites Christians. It gives them hope. It builds. Prophetic words build Christians. They make us more like Jesus. You say, say, what, what, what is the purpose of a prophecy? It's very simple. To make you more Christ-like. Period. A word from God builds Christ in you. So the devil hates that. But thirdly, this idea of taretto also means to bring something to action or completion. The word of the Lord is not just to be heard, it's to be done. When we stand before Jesus, we don't want to hear the words, well heard, good and faithful servants. You attended a lot of church services. Well heard. I saw your notebook, it has come up before me. (laughs) Thy notebook is full. Well done. Well done. Well done. To bring something to completion. So blessed are the ones who not only hear the words of the prophecies that God gives, but those that learn how to keep it. So this idea of keeping says, well, there must be some kind of a war going on. Absolutely. It is warfare. There's a war going on. There's a war going on on the planet. There always has been from the beginning, and it's a war of words. Did God really say? started right in the Garden of Eden. It's a war of words. God spoke, and the devil spoke too. He said, he spoke, I'm going to speak against him that hasn't stopped why because it works are you with me yeah, yeah. devil goes that worked <laughs> i got the first family to screw up he's been screwing up families ever since how many are dysfunctional not no hands went up <laughs> how many are lying in church this morning every hand goes up i'm di- and we all come from dysfunction there's dysfunction in all of us because we all come from the same parents come on it's all going to get fixed someday don't look so sad we just, he's coming back, he will reign, we're like, yes, hurry, (laughs) it's like, yeah, Maranatha, because God is going to fix this, because he sent Jesus to just help us in our dysfunction, to give us what, the right words to say, if we're in a war of words, then we have to learn how to speak on behalf of God, we just sang that beautiful, I love that song, I'm going to speak the name of Jesus, but you can't just run around going, Jesus, 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 abracadabra, Jesus, it's not an abracadabra, poof, it's we speak the name of Jesus because of what he said. And so this war of words takes place, and Jesus taught us about it. I want to take you to the parable of the sower real quick. One verse, Matthew chapter 13, where Jesus gives eight kingdom parables, powerful parables about the kingdom. And in the parable of the sower, which he gives in Matthew 13, he gets done giving the, the great parable, the four soils, you know, and the word. And then his disciples come to him like we do. They said, excuse me, Jesus, yes, um would you please explain the parable of the sower? We just didn't get it the first time. Do you, you ever read something in the Bible and go, I don't, think I, I don't get it. Y'all look at me like, are you just trying to trick us? Yes, I'm trying to. You know. <laughs> let's be real. I mean, this, you, I, I don't get that. Please, please explain the parable of the sower. And he goes, all right, let's get one thing straight. And he goes, it's this one thing in verse 19, Matthew 13, 19. He says, now, here's the deal. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, that's a prophecy, that's a revelation, that's a rhema word, that's your devotion in the morning, that's Chris's sermons. Whenever you hear a word from the kingdom, here's the catchphrase, and understand it not, then comes the wicked one to snatch away that which was sown in your heart. See, the parable of the sower is all about the word of God getting in you. Whether it's, whether it's your devotions in the morning, a preach pr- uh, message on a Sunday, whether it's a prophetic prophecy, whatever. However the word comes to you, the destination of every word from God is the human heart. And that's why the parable of the sower is so powerful. He says, but when anyone hears the word of the kingdom, but understands it not, then comes the wicked one to snatch away that which was sown. You, you go, that's my problem. You just revealed my problem. What? I don't understand the Bible. Finally, someone's on my side. It's like... What do you expect, Pastor Chris? I'm not a theologian. I've never been to Bible school. I don't understand this thing. I don't know. I have good news if you're kind of thinking sometimes like, what is it going to take for me to understand this amazing book? The good news is it has nothing to do with your intelligence, mental capacity, levels of theology. This word understand is very different than gnosco to know and understand. This is a very important word. Now, the word there is tsunami. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom but doesn't tsunami, then comes the wicked one. So this tsunami is actually a pictorial word. If I could give you a picture for a minute of tsunami, And it means a happening upon one another, if it were people. If two people on the opposite sides of the front here walked across the front and met in the middle, that place of meeting where they met upon each other would be tsunami. They happen upon each other if you have, you have beautiful rivers around here, so if you have two rivers flowing from different water sources and they come and they merge and form a new water source, the place where they merge and come together is Sunamai, to come together, to happen So when anyone hears the word of the kingdom, which comes from a whole different source than your brain, it's not intelligence, it's divine. The source is the king. The word of the kingdom is something that comes from the king. Out of his mouth comes... Words. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom which flows down from heaven and doesn't allow it to happen upon, that's all. Just let it I receive it, just happen upon you, get sown. Then comes the wicked one, because he's watching, going, huh, I'm watching. He's hoping. He doesn't pray, but he's hoping. He has no one to pray to. But I'm hoping that word does not take root. I'm hoping they don't agree with that. I hope there there's no place for that word to land because if it doesn't then I now have the authority to snatch away that which was sown in the heart snatch away powerful warfare this is militaristic it's the word harpazo harpazo say harpazo it just sounds cool harpazo just look at somebody kind of with a little twinkle in your eye and go harpazo I'm going to harpazo you as soon as this service is over. It just feels like, that, feels like the military is like, son, you better be quiet in church or I'm going to harpazo you when we get home. Um, harpazo is a, argh, aggressive. Harpazo means, means literally to seize something by warfare. Yeah. It's a warfare word. See, Jesus is trying to explain to the disciples, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom, it's a war. Yeah. When God talks... <laughs> It stirs things up. It causes spiritual turbulence. How many know we're living in a time of great spiritual turbulence? Because God is speaking, and the devil is shouting. The world is shouting. Sometimes the church is whispering. We need to shout. Amen? Because when anyone hears the word of the kingdom, this happens. The devil comes to harpazo that word. To seize by force in warfare you think, audacity sometimes. How did the devil think he could do that? Where did he get the idea that he could seize that word? Well, where does he get all of his ideas? From God. He's a thief. He's not, he doesn't invent anything. He's not a creator. All he knows how to do is imitate, twist, mess things up, lie. He's a thief, a liar. So he finds out about Harpazo from God. A few chapters earlier, and you know this verse, in Matthew 11:12. 12, it says, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent ones, say it in the Greek, Harpazo, that's your big chance to be Greek scholars for once. <laughs> violent ones, we're the violent ones. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent ones take it by force. How do we take the kingdom by force? With our words starts with words. Yes, then it turns into actions. We're the violent ones. We're to seize the kingdom of God with our words. The gospel, prayer, prophecy, every tool God's given us to seize or advance the kingdom by force is our words. And the devil found out about that. He went, huh? They're going to do it. I'm going to do it. I must counter this seizing of the kingdom of God. So what are you gonna do that now? Now I've set up a a war. (laughs) God set up a war. So he gives us strategies. He gives us the Holy Spirit. (laughs) He teaches us weaponry. How many know the Holy Spirit is a weapons expert? He'll teach you how to wage warfare. With what? Words. Why do you think the devil hates tongues? Can I talk about tongues in this church? Is that all right? Do we just, we're gonna turn off the internet for just a minute. Could get controversial. (laughs) Why do you think the, the, the best thing, <laughs> let's put it this way. Jesus gave his best, or God gave his best gift, right? Jesus. Best he could give us, right? Jesus turns around and gives us his best gift, which was Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit comes, he gives us his best gift. What's happened on the day of Pentecost? His best gift, spiritual language. An ability to communicate on another dimension. That's a gift, my friends. It's supernatural. The devil hates it. Oh, it hates it. You want to give the devil a bad day? Wake up and the first thing, just speak in spirit language. Just speak in tongues. Good morning, Ora Ba He's like, here we go again. He hates it because he can't understand it. Here's the good news. You can't either. That's in the Bible. He that speaks in tongues speaks directly unto God, not unto men. No one understands him. It's your... Personal, perfect communication with God the Father. Powerful. It becomes a weapon. That's why the devil hates it. There's two things the devil has been fighting from the beginning. I call it the two most explosive doctrines in the church TNT. You know what TNT is? Dynamite. Causes explosions, right? Tongues and tithing. Oh, passage up there. I love this. And everybody's going, we we really don't like this, Clem. Could you just move on? If you've been in church long enough, there are two, two things we just don't talk about. We don't talk about money. We don't talk about that goofy tongue stuff. The devil's going, good. Why? Because in any military campaign, if you've been in the military, you've got to understand this. If you're going to defeat the enemy, two things, two strategies of any army. Number one, cut off the supplies. That's tithing. Number two, Jam the communication devices. Jam the communication. Mess up the communication so they don't, and then cut off their supplies. You're going to win the war. And the devil goes, that's my strategy. Are you with me? Are we in the right army here? Yeah, we're in the army of the Lord. Man, we got, we got weapons. We got power. But you know what? The devil's going, don't tithe. Don't give. And heaven forbid, should you ever pray in the spirit, <laughs> because that's powerful. Whew. That wasn't even in the notes. That's, that's all free stuff this morning. That's good. All right. So, Paul teaches Timothy then. Let's just finish with this little nugget here. 1 Timothy chapter 1. Turn to 1 Timothy 1. Swipe to 1 Timothy 1. Glance 1 Timothy chapter 1. Verse 18. Actually, 18, 19, 20 is one little pithy teaching that sets apart from the rest of the introduction of the first chapter before you hit chapter 2, which is all about prayer. And it makes sense the way Paul's setting it up with Timothy. And he says, Timothy... Before we get into this whole powerful part about prayer and making a difference, he goes, let me give you, and he uses the word charge, this charge I'm giving you, Timothy. So this whole thing is set up in military language. Just get ready, because we're in a war. So he's teaching Timothy about the war of words. And he says, this charge I'm entrusting to you, my son Timothy. The word charge is the Greek word paragalion. And it's uh, literally a military, it's an order given by a superior ranking officer to an inferior ranking officer. It's a military command. I don't, did anybody in here serve in the military? No hands, we have one, God bless you. Anybody ever heard the word, word military? Some of you. How many are not here? I just okay, that's what I thought. So okay, so a military command the way, I, I was not in the military, but wait, what I've heard. When, I understand, when a superior ranking officer gives an inferior ranking officer a command, What are some options? (laughs) Not too many from what I've heard. It's pretty much, yes, sir, right? I have good news. We serve in the army of the Lord. We have options. Isn't that nice? We've created spiritual options to commands because that's just such a nasty word. Just like, who are you? Tell me what to do, right? That just infringes upon my humanity infringes on who I am. So in Christianity, when a superior ranking officer gives a command, we have beautiful spiritual responses like, I'll pray about it, sir. Let me pray about that. Or, you know, I just don't bear witness to that command. Just not feeling it, you know? And that no sound good. Then that work and, and now, let's just bring it down to reality. Parents, any parents in the room? Do we have any parents? How many know some parents? Okay, forget it. Just forget raising your hand anymore. Okay, so parents, how would that work at home? And we're, yeah, we're talking about command. It sounds too, like, well, it's too legalistic, but you know what? Hello, did you brush your teeth? <laughs> no. Why? Well, I prayed about it. <laughs> Not feeling it, Mom. Not feeling it today. Got to go. Son, did you, you need to clean your room before I get home from work. Okay, Dad, I will. Dad goes home from work. Son, did you clean your room? Well, you know, Dad, I started praying about, and the word clean wasn't coming, but the word beach was coming. I kept, <laughs> I kept, I kept getting the vision of the beaches, and so uh, appreciate your word, appreciate your command, appreciate your, 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 your want to be in my life, but, you know, when I prayed about it, God said beach. So wasn't feeling it. I'm thinking Thursday would be cleaning day. That's how I'm feeling Thursday. That's I did a witness about Thursday. Which Thursday? I don't know which Thursday, but some Thursday. No, you know, we, we laugh about this, but this is like, we look at Paul's language. Says Paul, Timothy, what? This charge I'm committing to you, watch, not because I'm Paul, I'm not because I'm your spiritual father, not because I'm an apostle. He's not trying to pull some rank on him. He's going to the top. He says, according to your prophecies. According... According to what are you uh, telling me this? According to Father, (laughs) the commander of the host of heaven, I'm giving you that in accordance with the prophecies that were spoken about you. Why? That you can wage good warfare. That's the reason. That's why you got to treat prophecy not like a suggestion. That's why we have to judge prophecy. Because it can mess you up if it's not properly judged and evaluated. That's why we do prophecy in, in, in the context of community under a strong leadership environment so it doesn't get wacky and weird like we've all seen over the last few years. It gets weird. You know, there's all these internet prophets out there. You know, it's like you all got some kind of a self-authorization to say, I have a word for whatever. And I go, no, you don't. No, you don't. I have a word for the church. Which church? My church? We don't know you. You don't have a word for My church? Are you with me? People are weird. Internet made us weirder. According to the prophecies spoken on you, so that by them you can have good warfare. You can wage good warfare. There's two kinds of warfare, not three. I wish there were three. There's two there's good warfare, and there's bad warfare. You say, Isn't there a third option? Like no warfare? Sorry. If I were to trick you one more time, which I won't, I said, Who wants a prophecy this morning? Put up your hand, and you didn't, I'd, I'd have you because automatically you have to raise the other hand, and I would say, And who wants more warfare? Right, sis? I want a word. God goes, You ready for more warfare? No, 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 no. No warfare, just a word. Sorry, they come in the same package every time there's resistance. Why? The enemy's waiting to snatch it away. So don't let that word get in them. Don't let that prediction come, come to pass. Don't let that future unfold for them. Don't let their destiny come before their eyes where they can say, I can do this. Why? I'm doomed. They'll advance the kingdom. They'll push me back. I got to fight this thing. Paul says, Timothy, I want you to have good warfare. Strateia is the Greek word for warfare. And wage and warfare are from that same root word. And it's interesting. It's where we get the, the word in the weather world of strat, uh, stratosphere, the stratosphere. This is spiritual warfare. It doesn't, it's not carnal. Our warfare is strateia. It's another dimension. But also it's where we get the root word strategy. Ah, you see, in every prophetic word, God codes a particular strategy to win. There's hidden strategy in every prophetic word. What does that mean? It doesn't just come to pass all by itself. That is a lie of the enemy. I've heard leaders say this to people. Now, when you get a prophecy, what you need to do, just put it on a shelf. Just put it on a shelf. In other words, don't bother me with it. i got enough problems. (laughs) It's like, put it on a shelf. If God wants it to come to pass, it'll come to pass. In other words, you don't have to do anything. Do you know what a lie of the enemy that is? That takes you out of the war, it, 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 it stops you from finding the strategy to win the war and then the enemy steals it and then you get frustrated and you go, I think I need another word, more warfare. <laughs> it's like you, you get into a crazy cycle. So Paul says, Timothy, this charge I'm giving you according to your prophecy so that by those words you can wage good warfare. Here's the two things. Holding faith and a good conscience. And we were talking earlier about the mental warfare that's going on right now in our world, like never before. You know why? Our minds are being polluted 24-7. We got more crap coming into our minds, through our eyes, through our ears. People walk around with headphones, earphones, screens in front of them. We're just sucking in pollution all the time. (laughs) We need a mask just for our phones. (laughs) Put a mask on your phone, just... Holding faith and a good conscience. Let me explain it real quick. How's our time? We got time? Um, How do I hold a prophecy? Well, you write it out, type it out, fold it up, put it in the back of your Bible, and every now and then pull it out and look at it and say, well, not yet. No, that's not what we're talking about. You hold the prophecy in, it says holding faith. Well, you hold the prophecy then in the chamber of your faith. Where's that? It's your heart you got to get it in your heart. See, that was the destination of every word, right, is the human heart. So you hold it, you hold a prophetic word in the chamber of your heart because your heart is the chamber of your faith and your mouth is the organ of your faith. How do I know if you have faith? I'll just listen to your words. How did you get saved? You believed in your heart and you confessed with your spiritual explosion. Who brought the explosion word? You want a spiritual explosion? Take the words that you've put in your heart and get them out of your mouth. See, the devil doesn't want that either. Against all odds, against what seems to be what's happening, you speak God's word. Did Jesus not do that and model that for us in his temptation? The devil comes at him with all kinds of tricks, bribes, you name it, You can have this, you can have this, you can have everything. And Jesus kept saying, it is written. (laughs) What came out of Jesus' heart was the word, and he spoke it, and it says the devil left him. (laughs) Because he was there to steal the word, if you're the son of God. Hmm. And he'll do the same with you. Jesus taught us, we got to speak. So you hold in faith. What's that mean? Well, later on in 1 Timothy 4.14, Paul's teaching Timothy, about what to do with the prophecy. He says, meditate upon these things. Neglect not the gift that was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of hands. What are you supposed to do? Don't neglect it. What? Meditate upon these things. Get it down in your heart. Oh, the power of meditation. You're meditating on stuff all day long. You don't even know it. You're meditating on the BBC. You're meditating on the latest thing. You're meditating on the latest podcast. Meditate on the prophetic word that God has given you or the written word. Yes, meditate on God's word. Meditate upon these things, he says. Why? That your profiting will appear before all. Your profiting. That's not getting rich. Prokope is the Greek word for profiting. It talks about advance. It literally is a picture of, out of secular world in those days, of lumberjacks going to a forest. And the chief lumberjack would say, boys, we're going to put a road right there. They're going, "We, we don't see a road. He goes, of course not. There's trees in the way. So get your axes sharpened. And start cutting down trees, removing obstacles to forward advance. God wants to put roads in your life, and all you see are trees. God says, "I want you to meditate on, on what I said." And as you do that, you're profiting, your advance. You'll start cutting trees down. Will appear before all, and they go, "Look where they're going! Imagine that! Remember that prophetic word? Yeah, look at look what's happened to them. They're profiting. That's why we speak in front of the the community, so the community benefits." from the singular prophecy. Prophecy is never designed for one. It's always designed for community. Every prophetic word any of you have received is not just for you. You cannot finish in singularity. You cannot accomplish it in isolation. God always speaks into the context of the community that he puts you in. Your forward advance. So holding faith and a good conscience. I'll make this fast, but Holding faith and a good conscience. I'm just going to touch this a little bit because we talked about the battle for the mind. There's much warfare around mental health and our minds, and the devil has been working on humans <laughs> from the beginning. He you know, he's just started right out toying with Eve's mind. Did God really say that? You know, you know, if you eat that, you'll be like God. All these lies, lies, lies. A good conscience. Let me explain the conscience for just a second. It um, comes from word co-science so literally means the place of two knowledges co-science so your conscience is in you of course and we're a three-part being spirit soul and body we have a body and inside our bodies our soul we're spirit we know all that they all have different functions you have bodily functions your your soul has functions mind will and emotion are the big three your mind your will your emotions that's part of your soul Ah, but your spirit has functions too. Your spirit has several functions. One of them is fellowship. Your spirit was built by God to have fellowship, number one, with him. But you can have it with one another. You can have spiritual fellowship. Koinonia is the Greek word for fellowship, communion. So that's a special function of your spirit, the ability to have fellowship. It's also intuition you say, what? Intuition is a function of your spirit. What does that mean? It's where you know where you don't know. How did I know that? I don't know. I just know. Well, that's a spiritual function. Get over it, men. Women have an extra large one. God just, that's for you and your kids. If it were for that extra large women's intuition, we'd all be sunk, right? Gets you out of a jam. They tell you things. You go, how does she know that? My, I have three sons and a daughter. And all my sons go, how does mom know all the time? I go, Sorry sorry, she's filled with the Holy Spirit, and she and God got a thing going, so you think you're getting away with it, mom knows, so intuition, but see, that's where the gifts of the spirit flow, that's where God, God speaks, you intuitively know, how'd you know that about me, I didn't, but God did, so he just spoke it through me, and it came through my spirit, you see, that's where the gifts of the spirit flow, that intuitive, but there's the other third part of your spirit, man, is your conscience, now because it means the place of two knowledges, it's like a swinging door <clears throat> between your soul and your spirit. It's where there's information transfer. It's like the internet of your inner man. It's where information is going all the time. Stuff comes from the spirit and you feed it into your soul so you can then deliver it to the human realm. But then stuff you're feeding in, careful, caution, warning, <laughs> stuff you're feeding into your soul, your mind, your that also has, goes back into the spirit. And see, there's this co-science, there's this place of two knowledges and you know what? You can have a good conscience. You can have a bad conscience or even a seared conscience. Conscience is very powerful. Paul says the, the way that you wage warfare with a prophetic word is you've got to hold on to it, first of all, in faith. I believe God said it. I believe as long as we judge it, and you need to judge it and evaluate it. And if it lines up with the Bible, and there's a whole other study, but then I'm going to hold that in faith and a good conscience. Some, having rejected, ah, I'm finishing the verse, have made shipwreck of their lives. Actually, shipwreck of their faith, Paul said. The devil's out to shipwreck your faith. And it says, some having what? Rejected, you see, You can't just fold your arms and go, I don't don't bear witness with that word. I I wasn't thinking about that. No, you weren't. (laughs) That's why God had to invade your life with a prophetic word and say, I see this for you. You I don't see that. He goes, I know. So God comes in, and we have to hold that in faith and a good conscience. So ultimately, you see conscience inside. Let me finish it with this. Conscience is that place of agreement inside of you. A place of agreement, watch, between your concepts and your conduct conscience how many have ever had your conscience bother you don't look so holy this morning (laughs) your conscience will bother you what it'll talk to you what when you violate the concepts that are inside of you if you violate a concept or if you conduct yourself in something that violates what you believe your conscience goes you don't what are you doing Ever had that? You're, you're having another piece of cake. What? Yeah, that's your conscience, that some, or your wife, and somebody. Somebody's a voice starts coming. It's like somebody's like, "Was that you, honey?" No, I didn't say anything. Well, something's just said. Why are you eating that? <laughs> or, or you get home from shopping, right? And on your way home, you're you're happy because you just had an emotional lift from a purchase. But all of a sudden, this other voice starts talking about your finances. You, you don't really need that. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. You don't really need that. And so the conscience is starting to go, you don't really need that. And you just, why? Because your concept is, let's save money. Your conduct says, I'm going to buy what makes me feel good. Are you with me? And the, see, you have to get the word of God in you so you get God's concepts on how to conduct your life and what he wants. Yeah? So that your inner voice can line you up with God's concepts. What's God ultimately out to do? Change your conduct. That's becoming Christ-like in the world. He wants to change your conduct. Change your concepts, change your conduct. That's why Paul said, hold that prophecy in faith and a good conscience. Others, he said, rejecting that, what makes shipwreck of their faith? Shipwreck, not ugeo is the Greek word where we get the word to navigate. Use a nautical term to help Timothy realize, my goodness, I could get, I could get off the navigation path. It would cause me not to navigate toward the goal that God has for me. I end up with shipwrecking what? My faith. That's what the devil's after, your faith. That's all he cares about. He wants to shipwreck your faith. It's a war, folks. If he can get, now how does he do that? Well, he gets at you with your physical, your, your, your health, your finances, relationships. Oh, he loves to, so come on, are you with me? This is the war, we're all in this war. Don't look so holy. You look, you're all, so, No, you know what? Look, look happy and say, we're going to win. Come on, say, we're going to win this war. You guys are at such an advantage. And I've traveled all over, I've been in almost 50 different nations. I love the UK. I've been coming here for almost 35 years. But you guys have the Holy Spirit advantage. And even of all the churches in Wales, that's why I love Julian and New Wine and your pastor and my m- many good friends within the networks in Wales, you have the Holy Spirit. Yes, make more room for the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit advantage. You've got one up on the enemy, but don't let him shut you down. I could go on all day. Let me just give you the list, and then you're going to have to buy my book. I'm sorry, I'm not here to sell books. I'm not here to sell books, but let me just. Okay, three things. The prophetic involves a process. Do not leave here without that one word. I'm in a process. Everybody who needs to leave here, going. I'm in process. Not the service is over. I'm in process. If you don't engage in the process, uh, every prophetic word starts a new process of development in you. If you don't engage in the process, you'll never arrive at the destination God has. We want to hear about the destination. What, God, what do you have for me? I want to know the future. Well, you know, you're going to be doing this, and you go, woohoo, got a good future. But if you don't engage in the process of development to get you there, you'll never arrive. The prophetic word starts a process of development in you. That's why people just kind of resist or reject. I don't want to change. Prophetic is not just a delivery of a singular word. It is a process. Here's, what's the process then? Here it is. A process of inquiry that drives you back to God. If you get a prophetic word and you don't have questions, it wasn't a prophetic word. If you go, oh, yeah, I already knew that. Just, I, yeah, I just, that just bears witness of what I already wanted to plan for my life. And people, oh, the, the devil will tell you things that you, you've already, like, oh, yeah, I 100% agree. It's when you go, what, huh? It's when, the, oh, I got a question about that. Good, now you're hearing from God. Because God purposely puts, we know in part, we prophesy in part. He puts that in there to what? To bring you back to him. See, a prophetic word should draw you closer to God. Right. He wants intimacy. I see, it's like dropping breadcrumbs. God, I need a word. Okay, here's a breadcrumb. Well, I, I need the whole word. No, no, you don't get the whole loaf. You get a crumb. Pick that up. I'll drop another one. Right. See, God is pursuing us in a prophetic word. Finally, what begins as insight to the future has to eventualize itself somehow in some kind of action. And that's where the rubber meets the road. You need to join a class. You need to change something, change structures. God deals with personal issues in your life. All that is part of the process of development. So five battlefields, and I'll leave you with this just to be familiar with them. You know, there's different battlefields of the prophetic. There's the battlefield number one of delay. Pastor, What? I got that prophetic word Friday night, it's Monday, nothing happened. <laughs> Can we give God more than a weekend, you know, it's like nothing's happened, the battlefield of delay, and we, we talk about Abraham and his delays, the battlefield of no recognition. I see leadership in you, now, God says there's, you're, you're a leader in the making, and, and then you puff your chest and you walk out and go, did you hear my word, did, you, did y'all hear my word, yeah. future leader, uh, on the way out, like uh, Chris, uh, when do I pick up my badge that says future leader, you know, uh, I'm ready. Um, well, actually, we have a Tuesday night leadership development. Uh, we'd like to see you there. When? Tuesdays. What time? Seven. That's my bowling night. Sorry, I can't. Just give me the badge, right? No recognition. What? Oh, the devil loves that one. They'll never recognize you here. You need to go to that church. Oh, take that prophecy down to that pastor, and he'll, he'll make you a leader right away. See, the battle of no recognition, the battle of misunderstanding. Not soon am I, where it's like, I don't really understand how I need to engage with God. I don't understand it, and we all have that. Oh, the devil will play on that one. And then we become like Job. We run to all of our friends. What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? The question is, what does God think? Go to God first. Amen? Go back to the source. Mix it with faith. Battlefield of doubt, mix it with faith. Battlefield of doubt and the battlefield of delay work together really well. Because once the delay kicks in, then the doubts come. You fight it with what? Faith. And then... The battlefield of the prophetic crisis. Can I just tell you another good news before I just get out of town quick? Um, with every prophetic word, God develops and has planned a prophetic crisis, a crisis for you, a crisis to build something for you, to give you a gift, to give you something to what? Number one, give you grace. Let me just finish. First Timothy, or sorry, first Peter chapter five, the very end of his first epistle, and Peter had prophecy. Peter got a great prophecy. Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church. All hell broke loose. Poor Pete. I mean, <laughs> to the point, Jesus said, uh, "Pete, you don't realize that Satan's trying to sift you like wheat." <laughs> I'm praying for you that your faith won't fail. And then he goes through his cock-a-doodle-doo moment, right, and the roosters are crowing, and he's like, "He's ready to quit." He's like, "I'm, am done. He's, I'm done." But see the prophetic word, and he was tested. So Pete writes this for us at the end of chapter five, First Peter, verse ten. Grab this. He says, and after you've suffered a little while. How many happy now? Say, ah, I feel right at home. After, and Peter suffered. Suffering is just a a severe human experience. We all have human experiences, but the severe ones are in the category of suffering, and that is not a dirty word in Christendom. That's how our kingdom was built. You understand? The kingdom of God was built on suffering. Severe human experiences that shape Christ in us. After you've suffered a while, Peter said, watch this, the God of all grace. Oh, come on, somebody. He is the God of all grace. No matter what severe human experience you will ever have to go through on this planet, there will be grace sufficient for you. There will be. It's a promise from God. The God of all grace, who's called you to eternal glory, watch this, four words, will himself, it's reflexive back on the work of God, if you just hang in there, the God of all grace. We pull down grace in your moment of need. He will what? Restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Restore is the word for equipping of the saints. Do you know any suffering you go through is part of the equipping of the saints, is part of your equipping? Go ahead and pray it away. If God wants to equip you, let's get quiet in here. Is there a back door? Can I just kind of slip out when nobody's looking? <laughs> My friend says, when, when God has you pinned against the wall with his hand around your throat, who do you pray to? <laughs> it's like, okay, I'll do it, I'll do it. <laughs> but Sometimes God just gets a little violent, you know. He said, as part of your equipping, God will equip you, confirm you. That means, confirm, sterizo, means to turn resolutely in a certain direction. See, sometimes in, in, in what we have to suffer, we got to... Severe human experience, the God of all, the grace of God comes to train us, as he says to Titus. It comes to train us and teach us what? To go in the right direction. That's all. So Peter had to go in the right direction. He was going in the wrong direction. And it will strengthen you, spiritual strength, and establish you. To him, I love to finish this doxology, to him be dominion forever and ever. I'm going to pray for you, church. I'm sorry I went a little long, but Chris doesn't invite me often enough, so (laughs) you get two for one almost. Let's just pray. Stand to your feet with me. You've been awesome. Thank you for listening. There's a lot that's going to happen here. Uh, Chris and the leaders got a download Friday night, and I really believe God was speaking about some future things. There's, There's going to be warfare, brother, but man, God has powerful destiny. And I was tiptoed into it right in the beginning. You you you're going to grow. You have to grow. You have to make more room for sheep. Make room for the Holy Spirit. Make you're too full. I love this. But I don't love this. I love a I love a full room, but I don't love a full room. Why? Because there's not enough room <laughs> for more. So get buckle up, Gateway. This is gonna be a year of incredible acceleration and change. But it's because God is with you, the God of all grace. Close your eyes. Just think about the God of all grace. He's the God of all grace. He's with you. He's here to equip you, to strengthen you, to establish you in not only in this city but for this region. And even nations will come to you. Nations will come here. This is going to be a powerful center of equipping an equipping center. You're going to be doing it on the spiritual level, but you'll also do social training. You'll train future, future social workers that are, have a kingdom ethos that they will at times step in when the world does not know what to do. You, you experienced that. I heard your stories about COVID where you stepped in when the world was saying, I don't, how are we going to manage this crisis? And God's been doing that throughout history. <sighs> Chris, I just want to say this in addition to what we said Friday night. We, we, we had a real beautiful meal of fellowship last night, but I, I, I love this guy. I, I will do anything for him. I, I run, I, he's got a particular unique call in his life. What is an Indian doing in Aberdeen Wales? What the heck? Huh. Chris, you don't make any sense to a lot of people. That's a God thing. <laughs> When you have to raise your eyebrows, you say, this must be God, and it is God. I'll tell you the thing, though, brother. There's a Joseph anointing on you. The end-time church will be a Joseph prototype. I'm just going to throw this out here. I'll I'll come preach on that sometime. Out of all the 12 tribes of Israel, when Jacob prophesied over them in Genesis 49, he particularly pointed to Joseph, and you said, you will be a fruitful bough. The others didn't get some really nice prophecies. You read through the 12, it's like, ooh. Joseph will be a fruitful bough. His vine will run over the wall. This is going to be a fruitful church, not just so you can be fruitful here. It's so you can, your vine is going to go over the wall. You're going to reach nations. And the blessings will be upon you. But it also says the archers were after him. The archers went after Joseph. Just as the enemy has gone after you, my brother, The archers have their eye on this church, but it says his hands were made strong and mighty by the Holy One of Israel. God will teach you how to wage warfare. The hand of the Lord is upon you to wage spiritual warfare, and there's nothing that can stop that, even though the archers attack. And it says the blessings of heaven above and of the earth beneath came upon Joseph. Spiritual blessings are here, but I want to tell you, get ready for natural blessings. God's going to bless with earthly blessings so that you can reach not only your community, you can reach this nation and others. The blessings of the breast in the womb, children. The blessings of children. I I, I love this little thing here. That's just like a little, those are just literally like, those are just little, whatever those are. That's just a little sign of what God's... This is just a little picture. Your children's ministry is going to explode. That's why you need a big building. Lots of room for kids. More room for kids than for adults. If I can say it that way. Because adults drag in more than two a lot of times. (laughs) Right? That's the point. Be fruitful and multiply. But the blessing of God is upon you for the next generation. Are you with me? God is speaking some things. Here's the last thing I want to say about Joseph. God gave Joseph an incredible opportunity through his suffering to be elevated into a position that touched a nation. And I don't want to embellish Chris too much (laughs) because is Leary here? She knows how to keep him down. She'll she'll just... They're a powerful couple. There's going to be favor. And you've already been through one famine. There's more famines coming. Can I just be a real doom and gloom prophet for a minute? There's going to be more famines, different types of famines coming. But it's always to produce hunger. Why do you think there's a move of God going on right now? We're coming out of a famine. That's why people are hungry. They don't even know what they're hungry for. Ah, There's going to be more famines coming. But God gave Joseph favor on how to prophetically see a famine, right? And then how to administrate for the nation. God gave Joseph a 14-year economic plan to feed the nation. And the nations came. That's how big this is. So you need to pray. Now you know how to pray, what to pray, who you can pray for. Be a praying church. You're already a worshiping church. You're a praying church. You're an evangelizing church, but all this is going to powerfully reach in the days ahead. So Father, we thank you. I thank you for Gateway Church. Thank you for the history of this church. Thank you again for bringing strong leaders here. Some of you have come from afar. See, this is a gathering place. So, Father, we thank you for the mission that's ahead. We thank you for the word of the Lord. We thank you that you're stirring us to wage good warfare with the prophetic words that have come already, that are yet to come, trusting in the God of all grace. Can you say amen, church? Amen.
0: Amen. 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 Thank you Jesus, thank you, Lord. We we'll just take a moment still, just keep receiving something in the spiritual atmosphere. Say, Lord, I want to be part of what you're doing in this season, and I want you to know every single person matters. Every single person is valuable. Every single person is equal. Together, this end time army is being raised up. We've been saying this phrase in the last couple of months, a nameless, faceless army that is being raised up. We're all invited into this. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Lord, for all that you've been speaking to us this morning, pray it goes deep into our spirits we would see with the eyes of your spirit what you're saying, what you're doing. These are significant days in our land. And we're your army being prepared and responding and saying, yes, Lord, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, whatever it takes. But we know the end is good. The end is victory. Thank you, Father. So, Lord, we thank you again this morning. We receive your word. And we say, Lord, we will not just be hearers of your word, but as we heard this morning, we will be doers. We will receive your word. We would meditate on it. We will engage with the process. Because as you work in us, then you can work through us. And so I pray each of us would allow you to take us on that journey of breaking us, shaping us, realigning us, So that we can be the best (laughs) channel of your glory. We would empty ourselves of ourselves. That's the greatest block of what you want to do. The great and mighty things. And we would come to that place. For allowing you to flow in your fullness. Everyday people. Simple, broken. Yet filled with the glory. As Paul said, these earthen vessels. That contain the very glory of God. So thank you for these wonderful words and privileges we have partaking. We bless each one. I pray for those who need a healing touch this morning. Pray that you would just let your healing word be upon them this morning. Just receive your healing right now in the name of Jesus. Father, for those who are in the process that's seemingly very difficult right now, I pray your grace will be sufficient for them. They will not give up. They will not go back. But they will say, yes, Lord, grace to keep going through in this process. Painful, stretching. Because the end is beautiful. So we thank you again for all your goodness in Jesus' name. And all of God's people say, amen. Come on, let's give him some praise this morning. (laughs) Hallelujah. Oh, we bless you, we bless you, we bless you going to sing a song as we bring ourselves to an end. Let's appreciate Clem this morning. Thank you, Clem.